Welcome to Savor Food and Body, a podcast for women in midlife who are ready to lose the mental and emotional weight of dieting. I'm your host, Amanda Bullitt, an undieting dietitian and certified intuitive eating counselor. Join me as I talk with other experts in the fields of intuitive eating, women's health, body image, and so much more. You'll also hear stories of women just like you who have learned to undiet their lives and fully embrace wellness without obsession. Let's get started. We are just diving into discussing a couple of principles of intuitive eating today. And then over the next few weeks, actually, we're going to talk about a a couple of principles of intuitive eating each week and how they relate to midlife. So let's get started, shall we? So if you're not familiar with intuitive eating or maybe you've heard about it, but you're just kind of starting to dip your toes into it in this new year, uh, the intuitive eating concept and the principles were developed by Elise Rush and Evelyn Tripoli back in the 90s. So it's been around a while, which also means there's been plenty of time for many scientific studies validating the practice of intuitive eating to help you promote health and have a nourishing a relationship with food in your body. So as we're going to go through these principles, both we did two last week, and doing another two this week. I just want to mention that I'm going to be teaching them the way I usually teach them with clients or with students in my group programs, and not necessarily in the same order that Evelyn and Elise taught them in, which they even said they're not meant to go in order. This isn't a linear process, and taking what feels most relevant to you at the time is what's really most important. So I see a number of patterns that come up with my clients and based on those patterns, that's how I'm going to teach uh, the principles in these next few weeks. So last week we talked about rejecting the diet mentality and making peace with food, two really fundamental components to intuitive eating and getting started with intuitive eating. And today we're going to move forward and talk about challenging the food police and discovering your satisfaction factor which really the two of those have a really beautiful connection that I don't think is often thought about in quite this way. So I'm really excited to to share that with you today. So let's talk about the food police first. And it's really, I kind of have to laugh because going to grad school, becoming a dietitian, and if you ever tell anybody that you're a dietitian, they think you're the food police. They think you're a food police with a bunch of letters after your name and that you only ever eat healthy food. Well, that might be the case for some dietitians, but definitely not for me. And I don't think for any of my undiet um, colleagues or intuitive eating counselors. So let's put that definition of food police away for good. But when I'm working with people, what I often hear them saying is, you know, their critical voice of saying, oh, you shouldn't be eating this, you should be eating this. Um, don't eat that for this reason. You should be eating this for this reason. And that's really what we're calling the food police. So the food police is that critical voice in your head speaking directly to the food you're thinking about eating or you're currently eating. It's slightly different than the inner critic who shames you, maybe your body size or shape, um, but they're close siblings, very close siblings as we'll get into as we go through these weeks. So my clients often describe the food police in a couple of different ways. There's the health police and the don't gain weight police. 
And those two could bleed together also, but we'll just keep it as simple as we can um, for today. So these two critics are also related, thanks again to diet culture, they're relating that health piece and that weight piece, because diet culture is assuming that if you're in a larger body or you get fat, you'll no longer be healthy, which we know that there's no scientific evidence to support this link. There might be a correlation in some of the scientific studies um, which happen to be very short-lived scientific studies, by the way, usually less than two years, way less than two years for many of them. And so there really isn't this direct causation between body size and health. So totally different topic and a much, much bigger one, a very important one that I invite you to dive into. And we may dive into on these lives at another time as well. But I just wanted to drop that in here so that you kind of understand if you're someone who has these food policing thoughts creeping up, that's really what's going on behind the scenes. Is this messaging that you've gotten that health relates to weight, weight relates to health, um, and X, Y, and Z. So some examples of the food police and weight police. Let's, let's jump into those. So the health police might sound something like, you shouldn't eat sugar, you'll get diabetes. If you have diabetes in your family, maybe as a woman in midlife, you've been noticing that your blood sugar is slowly creeping up. So you might get this thought, this health policing thought that says, oh, you should stay away from the sugar because you'll get full-blown diabetes um, or carbs or, or whatever, stay away from those two. You might also hear you shouldn't eat fast food because you'll get heart disease or you'll increase your cholesterol, um, or you'll uh, maybe even cancer. Could go a lot of different health directions with this one. So again, there's usually with this health police part, there's usually some shooting, some shooting going on. You should eat this, you shouldn't eat this for X, Y, and Z health reason. Now the weight police, again, they're really close siblings, close cousins, you might say. And the weight police might sound something like, don't eat carbs or you'll gain weight. So they might not be exactly tied to the whole blood sugar thing, but they're gonna just drop it right into that weight conversation. Weight police might also sound like, you ate too many sweet snacks over the weekend or over the holidays. You better get back on track. It's January, you better get back on track. Or it's Monday, you better get back on track. And really what that back on track means is rein yourself in, stop eating the sweets, stop eating the snacks, or you'll gain weight. So again, those are some examples of weight police and health police. So now let's talk about the satisfaction factor, discovering your satisfaction factor, and then I'll bring these two together. You can see how they, they relate. So the satisfaction factor can really help you deal with those food policing thoughts. And this is where we're gonna bring in some mindfulness practices, um, which I think is just so cool and a pretty nuanced part of these principles that's not often talked about. So when I'm teaching uh, clients and students about intuitive eating, I intentionally talk about satisfaction before I talk about hunger. And this is because if you're someone who's been dieting for decades, it could be really easy for that dieting mind to quickly turn focusing on hunger into a don't eat until you're hungry diet. 
it could quickly turn intuitive eating period into a hungerfulness diet. And so we're not going to go there because you're doing this because you want to do something different. So you've probably already been doing that whole, I don't eat until I'm hungry thing um, for years. And that probably hasn't worked. So that's why you're here. So let's do something. So let's do something different. So instead, we're going to um, build the skill of satisfaction awareness. So what is satisfaction awareness? Well, here's some examples. Satisfaction awareness might look like, what does it mean to like what you're eating? Do you even like what you're eating? If you're a person that has spent decades shooting on yourself of what you should be eating, and now you're trying something different, you come into intuitive eating, you might go, ah, yeah, I don't, I don't really like the spinach salad the way that I thought that I did. Okay, cool. That's part of learning to find the satisfaction factor. So another examples of satisfaction awareness can include like, how do you choose food from a place of desire versus this shooting? I desire to have the chips with my sandwich, not uh, you shouldn't have any chips with your sandwich because you're already eating the bread and that would just be way too much carbs, junk food, whatever, junk food. So basically when we're talking about satisfaction awareness, we're asking, inviting you to consider, do you like what you're eating? Why or why not? And how could you change that? in whatever way is, is easy and accessible to you. Don't get hung up on how fancy it is and doesn't need to be expensive. That could be a whole nother topic in and of itself too. But basically just checking in, do you like what you're eating? And if not, then how can we help you change that? That's what that is. Discovering your satisfaction factor involves a mindfulness skill set. So when you make food choices, like even before you go in to eat, you're asking yourself to be mindful around like, hey, what do I want to eat? Do I want something sweet? Do I want something savory? Do I want something spicy? You have to be mindful in that moment to even really know if what you want to eat. Which for many people, if you've been dieting and following lists and plans for years and years and years, you don't know what it's like to ask yourself what to eat. And that's okay that's part of the unlearning of this whole process. So when you're asking yourself, you might include things like, do I want something sweet? Do I want something savory, spicy, herby, herbaceous, um, something hot, cold, room temperature, something creamy, crunchy, or maybe something in between, like uh, a salad with some creamy dressing on it. So as you start to eat, whatever it is you choose, you want to continue this mindfulness practice by asking yourself, is this food I'm eating satisfying? Is it what I was expecting? If so, awesome. You hit the nail on the head. Great. If not, how would you change that? Maybe you need some more dressing on those crunchy vegetables to balance out the crunch and the creaminess. Uh, maybe there's not enough flavor in what you're eating. So you might want to add some more salt or add some more um, spice from some hot sauce or herbiness with some pesto or something like that. Again, I'm recognizing that there is a lot of privilege in being able to go and fix your food if you want to. I'm also recognizing that it is not realistic to think that every eating experience is always going to be satisfying. So please don't get hung up on that. 
the idea of just being mindful around stopping and asking yourself, do you like what you're eating? What do you like about it? That is the point. Whether you can fix it in that moment is not the point. The point is that practice of I am in the moment with my food. So the beauty of these mindfulness practices and being able to hone in on these food qualities in the present moment is that your brain has a really hard time criticizing your food choices, criticizing you. At the same time, it's trying to think about the tastes, the textures, the temperatures of those food choices. So we might think that we are amazing multitaskers, but we're really not very good at it, especially when it comes to taking care of ourselves and nourishing ourselves. So when you can be present with the food, it not only allows you to savor that eating experience much better, but it also helps turn down that noise from that food police critic. And that helps you move forward in getting to know your experience with food a little bit better. There's a key phrase with all of this, and this will be true for any of the principles that we're going through in the next few weeks, is practice, not perfection. The other really key phase of this is compassionate curiosity. So let me explain those. Intuitive eating is a lifelong practice. And it's a lifelong practice because food policing thoughts are always gonna come up. We all live in diet culture. We are all informed by diet culture. And so it's not about getting rid of those thoughts. It's about how we respond to those thoughts. And that is going to be an ongoing practice. And you will get better in your practice the more that you focus on the practice and not the perfection of the practice. So over the next week, you might consider practice noticing your food police thoughts and then mindful eating a couple times um, over the next week. As you choose your food for those meals, think about what flavors, textures, temperatures, would be satisfying. Notice if any food policing thoughts come in and try to hijack how you choose foods from the place of satisfaction. And just notice, this is all about noticing. This is the compassionate curiosity part is the noticing. Then as you sit down to eat and enjoy your food, stay really curious. Stay in that mindfulness space. Is this food you're eating satisfying? What would you do to change it, if anything? And as you wrap up your eating experience, reflect back on if any of those food policing thoughts had come in while you were eating. And I am going to bet from a pretty large percentage of doing this for a long time with folks is that it will have been hard for those food policing thoughts to come in and start judging what you're eating when you can focus on the qualities of that food and being present with the food. Now the after, after the meal experience, that could be a whole different ballgame. And we are going to get into that in the coming weeks as we continue to explore these principles. So again, remember to stay compassionately curious about your eating experiences. And next week, we're going to talk about the hungerfulness spectrum and how satisfaction plays a role into that. So until then, keep savoring food and your body. And if you have any questions, you can find me at alpinenutrition.org. Hit the contact button at the top. 
and happy to answer any questions there. We also have office hours, live office hours coming up on Friday at 9 a.m. Pacific time. And there will be a link below, at least on Facebook and uh, YouTube to sign up for those office hours. They're completely free and it's a great place to come hang out, ask questions about intuitive eating or nutrition in midlife. And I would love to see you there. For you guys on Instagram, I will include a link to sign up for those office hours in the bio. So until next time, have a great week, savoring food in your body. Take care. Thanks for listening today. I hope this conversation inspires you to undiet your life and start savoring food and your body. You can find show notes and resources from this episode by going to alpinenutrition.org forward slash blog, B-L-O-G. If you'd like to learn more about my one-on-one counseling or group coaching programs, go to my website, alpinenutrition.org and click work with me at the top of the page. And finally, if you found this episode helpful, don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to the show. Until next time, keep savoring food and your body.